there are some things happening in the world that's happening fast. And I thought it would be a good time to share some things with you from the Word of God and some things here that I think is uh, very good for every child of God to know and understand. And uh, I want to pass them along to you. Praise God. Uh, when you get those, I'm going to put on the overhead here what you are going to be looking at as soon as you get your paper there. As I said, this is not the lesson as such. This is sort of a, a preview of it, and then we'll be handing out the others in a few moments. Wrong button. Sorry. That's the one we want. All right. That's the one that you should be receiving right now. And it's entitled Reflections on Present World Conditions. And I just want to give this out to you here. The funeral of the Queen of Elizabeth has many wondering, is this the end of an era? A lot of discussion, a lot of talk, a lot of things are going around. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not, to what extent this is happening. But it seems like a lot of things are just developing because it's a, it's a time like people think, well, maybe this is a time for there to be the change that we want to see happen. I'm not going to get into all of the things that England is, considered, is, is concerned about or is looking at and so forth. But I do want to talk to you about also a... Uh, if you look under A here, the BBC report, this is British Broadcast Company News. Recently, they reported some things, and I want to pass this along to you because, folks, things are beginning to develop in the world, and we know that it's happening in America. I don't need to tell you that we're seeing weather conditions like we've never seen before in America. I'm talking about America now, just America. Uh, out west, they've got forest fires, and then they've got floods. Crazy, you know. Was, then there's tornadoes, and then there's floods through the Midwest, Tennessee and Kentucky. And then you get over, over into Ohio and up in the, in the east, uh, flood conditions. And then there would be hot weather like they've never seen before, 100 degrees in the, throughout the Midwest. Uh, that's something that you hear about maybe, maybe once in a while, down here in South Florida, that it would dip down, you know, above, or not dip down, but they go up above 100 degrees. Up there is 107, 106, all kind of high temperatures. Things that we have, we're not used to seeing. And so everybody's scratching their heads, wondering, where's all this going? And it doesn't stop. It's still going on. So when the, B, uh, the uh, BBC report recently came out, number one here, Europe is having the worst drought they say in, in Europe, in 500 years. In other words, not enough rain, not enough rain. And so they're having the worst drought in 500 years. Number two, in Germany, the shrinking of the Rhine River is causing less shipping in Eastern and Western Europe, potentially causing food shortages and many other shortages. So this is a great concern that they have. Many of you are aware that they have a, you know, a little cruise ship that goes up through the Rhine River and the Danube and all that uh, the, over in Europe, between the Eastern and Western Europe and out of Germany and so forth, everything. All of that now is beginning to sort of like, well, we don't have room for that. We've got to keep 
those uh, shipping places open for, for the transferring of food and so forth. So Germany is having their problems. Uh, in China, look at this one. In China, there is the beginning of vast climate change. This is all coming from BBC News. Vast climate change causing extreme droughts in some places and flash floods in other places. So one place is so dry that they don't have enough oil, enough water to drink, and they can't even get enough drinking water. And other places is flash floods in another part of China. China is a big country, as you well know. And so they are coping with all of these kind of calamities that's happening. Number four, and this was a shocker to me, but I'm not surprised because I know that the Bible predicts this. The war the, uh, in, in, in Africa, that is in Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia. In Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia, in particular, that northeast section in Africa, the UN warns that a coming famine could cause 22 million deaths. Think about that. This is the UN saying that. The United Nations is warning that if something isn't done, and if somehow or another they have a, don't make a change or they don't get the water that they need uh, ahead of time, that there's going to be t uh, up to as many as 22 million people that will die from famine. And I'm thinking that the Word of God talks about all these kind of things and all these things coming to pass. Look at B. Look at B here. The war between Russia and Ukraine continues to pull more nations into its conflict. Now, we all know that. We all see this on the news just about on a regular basis. Now, here's the real problem. Number one, there is fear that Russia may engage nuclear weapons in this war. And if you've been watching the news in the last few nights, I'm talking about just the last two or three nights, that the Putin is, the, the president of Russia, Putin, is talking about possibly using nuclear war. Now, what he's engaging to do at this time, right now, even tonight, what they're in, engaging to do is that those countries in uh, Ukraine, that, they, that parts of Ukraine where they captured already, and it has not been taken back by the Ukraine. Once they've captured, they want to have an election. And if those people elect to have Russia as their country, then they will take in those people as part of Russia instead of being the Ukraine because they voted to do so. And everybody knows that their voting system is a, is a scam. It's, 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 it's not real at all. And it's just a, it's just a sham that they're putting together. And so they're fixing to do that. And if they do that, Russia then says that they will be part of Russia. And if they are, then if there's any kind of invasion back to take them back into the Ukraine, then we will have the right to use nuclear arms to defend ourselves against them and use nuclear weapons. And so I'm just telling you here that there's already talk about nuclear weapons being used. And our president has responded to their president of Russia there. And he has said, don't you even think about it. Don't even think about nuclear weapons, which is to say America may get involved. Oh, my Lord, I'm thinking to myself, boy, those are a lot of strong words being thrown around. And how far are we from the end? How close are we from the end of this whole time that we're living and the coming of the Lord? Now, look at number two here. Look at number two here. This is all coming from BBC News. And 
Note the number of nuclear warheads in these nations. Russia has 5,977 nuclear warheads. The U.S. has 5,420. How do you know? How do we know all of that stuff? They're the intelligence, intelligence of all these countries. They know what's going on. Every, the intelligence of America knows what Russia's got. Russia's intelligence knows what the U.S. has got. They know what all these countries got. It's no big secret. They know it. And, they, and so it's, it's come out. They share it. And here it is. Russia's got 9,955 nuclear weapons. The U.S. has 5,428 nuclear weapons. France has 290 nuclear weapons. The U.K., that's the England, has 225 nuclear weapons. China has 350 nuclear weapons. Pakistan has 165 nuclear weapons. India has 160 nuclear weapons. And they're both at odds with each other, and there's always a friction going on between Pakistan and India on that borderline. They're always contention. Israel has 90 nuclear weapons, and North Korea has 20 nuclear weapons. And so, altogether, the world total is 12,190 nuclear weapons altogether. And Russia's total numbers of nuclear weapons is more than the U.S., France, uh, England put together. So I'm just trying to, and which that doesn't matter because if you start using nuclear weapons, <laughs> four or five is not going to make that big a difference, folks. It's going to be a very disastrous situation. And I'm just telling you here that when they start talking about new, using nuclear weapons and Putin is saying that if we have a vote and they decided that they want to be part of Russia, and then that area, we're going to say, no, they're Russia. They're no longer the Ukraine. And if Ukraine comes in and tries to take them, we have a right then to use nuclear weapons. And America is saying, if you use nuclear weapons, hey, we're right here behind Ukraine. You see what I'm saying? And then you put all that together with weather conditions and all these things happening in the world. And folks, it's time to look up because I think it's time for Jesus to come. Two things are going to be happening here at the end time. One is there's going to be a move of God and revival. Because people are going to get back to God. People are going to find the Lord. People are going to say, I want to know where, I want to know how to be saved. I want to be right. And it's going to be a top of the line time for the church to reach out to everybody that we can for them to be saved. Also, it's a time for us to be aware that Jesus could come any time. There's no time that he will not come. Now, we're going to hand out our second handouts right to you right now. And uh, these handouts now is going to be the lesson that we're going to deal with here tonight. And uh, I want you to look at it very closely here with us. And I'm going to be talking to you about Ezekiel. Ezekiel, infallible proofs that we have over in that part of the world over in uh, Israel and so forth. I've got many things to show you here in a moment. Now, let me put our lesson for this one up on the board here. It looks like we're completely leaving our subject, but we're going right into it. Ezekiel's prophecy and the Eastern Gate. I'm going to talk to you about that tonight.
I'm going to show you some pictures after a little bit. And what I show you, I've been there and seen it myself with my own eyes. And I want you to see here the very number, the uh, number two, number one was that first sheet that we gave you. Number two here is some things that Jesus said about the end time. Now, if you have your Bibles and want to turn with us to Luke 21 here for just a moment, let me show you some things here. I'm going to read just choice verses because this is a long chapter. I'm not getting into the whole chapter of Luke. And, of course, Luke 21, Matthew 24, Mark 13 is all the same. It's, it's, there, there are three different gospel writers recording what Jesus taught uh, that whenever he gave this Bible lesson to them or gave this lesson to them or told them these things. Now, look at Luke 21.10. Then said he unto them, this is Jesus unto his disciples now, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, Great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. I'm jumping over to save time over to verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, now if you've got your Bible, I want you to put a word, a ring around the word began. Not when these things are already happening when these things begin to come to pass. Look at that. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh or your redemption draws near. That's the coming of Jesus. Now I'm jumping over to 31. I'm just reading, reading choice verses here. Verse 31. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is near at hand. It's close. <clears throat> Look at verse 34. Take heed to yourselves. This is for us now as the church. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. In other words, you get all caught up with the things of the world and you forget about living for God and serving the Lord. It goes on to say in that 34th verse, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. Put a ring around the word all. All these things. It's God's will that the church be caught away before the great calamities come on the face of the earth. All these things come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, this is not in your, your, your scriptures here, but uh, over in the book of Revelation, over in the book of Revelation in chapter 6, there is a description of what's called the four horses of the apocalypse. And these four horses of the apocalypse is speaking of what's coming on the earth after the rapture takes place, and it describes them as a man on a horse, and as he begins to ride across the world stage. Here's what it says here in verse 3. I'm going to read verse 2 and then 3. It's, I'm, uh, well, you don't have, you don't have that. Okay, I'm going to read verse 2 and 3. 
And I saw, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. Notice, no, no arrows, just a bow. And he went forth conquering and a conquer, conquering without any arrows, just a bow. So this is a peace that will come on the earth, but it's a false peace. It will not last. Look at verse 3. This is Revelation 6, 3. We've got it on the screen here. Thank you. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another red, a horse that was red. And power was given to him that set thereon to take peace from the earth. And that, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. This is a great war that's coming to pass. I'm just telling you folks that the world's shaping up for a, 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 a terrible war that will one day come on this earth. And this is what this is describing. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard the voice of the midst of the four beasts, and a measure of wheat is for a penny, and three measures of barley. This is a famine condition for a, for a penny. And see, there hurt not the oil and the wine. That's the rich. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that said on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them, them, over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, I've just given you here a picture, a little bit of a picture of what's coming down the pike. And Jesus said that whenever you begin to see certain things come to pass, then look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to go to the book of Ezekiel here, because I want to talk to you here, and uh, give you some information here, that, and tell you what, this, what happened with this guy, and what I was able to witness over there, and I'm going to show you some pictures of it in a moment. But I want to show you here that this man, Ezekiel, who lived back 600 years before Christ, and he was in that captivity when Israel was conquered by the Babylonians. Uh, Israel had been under David, and then David had passed along to his son uh, Solomon. And Solomon, when he died, his kingdom was divided into two parts, the northern part and the southern part. The northern was called Israel, southern was called Judah. And they rocked along, not living for God as they should. The Lord said, I'm going to judge you. And this is what a lot of the prophets are all about in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Starting with Isaiah and all, all through there. And uh, it talks about the conditions of those two places. And it, it kept going. And finally, the Lord said, okay, it's, it's time. I'm going to send out judgment. And I'm going, to send, uh, I'm going to send some judgment upon you people. And I'm going to send some conditions upon you that... Uh, and, and capture you here. And so what happened here is the Lord sent the Assyrians, which their capital city was Nineveh, over here. This is the Tigris River, Euphrates. This is, this is uh, Iraq today. This is Iran. This is Iraq. This is Syria. This is Israel right over in here. This is an old map of it. So these Assyrian, Assyrians came down over through here and they conquered the northern kingdom, Israel, but did not conquer the southern kingdom. Later, 
the Babylonians conquered the Assyrians, and then later in, in, seven, in 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came with his army over here and conquered Jerusalem and conquered the, uh, the, the southern kingdom, which was Judah, and took a bunch of them. He took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all those back to Babylon with him. And then he came back later. He came back seven years later, six, seven, maybe eight years later, in, uh, in, in 598, I believe it was, 598, 99. He came back again. And he took that king, took him off, put on a new king, and he took some more of those young people out of Jerusalem and took them over. And one of them was Ezekiel, and he was a member of the priesthood. His family was priesthood. Daniel was of the royal family. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, Menegetico, they were the royal family. But Ezekiel was that priesthood, and he was put out on the river there. And in Ezekiel's mind, listen to me closely, in Ezekiel's mind... He was so removed from where the temple is. The temple still existed in Jerusalem. They had destroyed that yet. And Jerusalem, the city, was still in it, is intact. They just put a new king, shifted things around, took some more prisoners, and took them back over here and put them in Babylon. So here is Daniel over here in Babylon. Uh, and here is also Ezekiel over here in Babylon, not knowing much about the other one. Ezekiel is out in the country area. And while he's out there, he's thinking to himself, I'm a long ways away from the presence of God because God's presence is over here in Jerusalem in the temple. And now I'm removed from that. And I'm, I don't even know how to reach God. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to get in touch with God. And that's when God opens up the heavens and shows him now. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 1 for a moment. I'm going to show you some things here. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 4. And I looked and behold a whirlwind came out of the north. A great cloud and a fire unfolding itself and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof as the color of amber and out of the midst of the fire. And he goes on to describe the glory of God and a chariot and, and these... Uh, chair of angels and wheel in the middle of the wheel and a big scene and it goes on to say and finally i'm going to jump over to verse 26 and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man above upon it and i saw as the color of amber and as the appearance of the fire round about within and this chariot throne looking thing it's called a makava makava is the hebrew word for it and then he appeared round about it within from the appearance of his loins even upward and from his appearance down his loins downward and i saw as it were of the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about what i'm doing i'm giving you a picture here of what he saw look at verse 28 as the appearance of the bow and as the appearance of the cloud Day of rain. This is the rainbow that he also saw over it. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. Now, this was God appearing unto Ezekiel. And Ezekiel all of a sudden understood that God, who was over there in Jerusalem, was now over here in Babylon. He's over here with us. 
And all of a sudden, he's worshiping the Lord, and the Lord talks to him and tells him, and shows Daniel, Ezekiel, I mean, many things. Now, I'm going to get to the point here, because I've got some interesting things to bring out to you here about what happened with this man. Stay with me now. Now, Ezekiel had another vision. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 8, three and, uh, chapter 8, verse 3. The Lord, after showing him that first vision, he gave him another vision. And at this time, he said, Ezekiel, I want to take you in a vision to Jerusalem. Now, he's in Babylon. I'm going to take you back over to Jerusalem, the land of Canaan. And I'm going to show you some things. And I'm going to show you why I am, a, I am fixing to leave Jerusalem, why I'm not going to stay there. Now, stay with me on this. I've got some good things to give you here. Look at 8.3. He put forth the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my hair, head and the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heavens and brought me in the vision of God to Jerusalem. Jumping down to verse 4. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there according to the vision that I had seen and saw that I saw in the plain back over in Babylon. He saw this same glory of God there. And he goes on to talk about this glory of God that he saw. Now, the Lord told him, said, Ezekiel, I want you to go around. And I'm going to show you some things. And he started showing him people committing sins. He started showing him, he called them great abominations, verse 6. He showed him great abominations. Verse 6, he said, I'll show you greater abominations. In verse 13, he says, I'm going to show you yet even greater abominations that's happening. Verse 15, even greater abominations than these. These are all the verses. And he talked about how that they were worshiping, men were worshiping the sun. They had the temple, they had the glory of God there, and they were worshiping the sun. And women worshiping these women idols and so forth. And it goes on and on. And, uh, and then the Lord said, now, Ezekiel, and here's what he said in chapter 10. Now, the glory of God was about to leave the temple, and he was fixing to show Ezekiel what was going to happen in Jerusalem and in Judea. And it hadn't happened yet, but it would happen in 588 B.C., just about, uh, what, 10 years? Yeah, 10 years after the, the last time that Nebuchadnezzar was there. It's going to happen again. Now, look at chapter 10 of Ezekiel, verse 3. Now, the cherubims took, stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. That's the temple now. Then the glory of the Lord went up from thereof, from the cherubs, and stood over the threshold of the house. That is the house of the Lord. And the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of God's glory. God's glory was there, but it was beginning to move. Look at verse 15. And the cherubs were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chebar, he's saying, these, this is the same scene. This is the glory of God that I saw back over, over in Babylon. Look at verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims, and the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up their, uh, up on the earth in their sight when they went out. The wheels also were beside them. This is part of the scenery that he saw about the cherubs. And, uh, 
And everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of God of Israel was over them above. This is the living creature that I saw under the, the God of Israel by the river of Chebar. And I knew that they were the cherubims. Now going to chapter 11, verse 1. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the east gate of the Lord's house, which looks eastward. I want you to see the picture here. The Lord put him, brought him from the temple to the door of the temple and then out to the east gate of the temple. And now he's taking him to the east gate of the city. Now look finally over here in the, 11, the 23rd verse of chapter 11. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city, which is a Mount of Olives, incidentally. I'll show you a picture of that in a minute. Afterwards, the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into, into, into Chaldea. That's way over in Babylon now, to them of the captivity. So the vision that I had seen went up from me. Then I spake unto them of the captivity all the things that God had showed me. And what the Lord showed him, I am leaving Jerusalem. I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm going out of there. I'm leaving out of there. I'm going out, I'm going out through the eastern gate. Praise the Lord. Now, this is interesting. Because later on, the Lord appears unto him and shows him where that he goes back to Jerusalem through the eastern gate. In a later time. Now, Ezekiel now is prophesying a future things that God is showing him. Look in 43.1. 43.1. This is right here, E. 43.1. Afterwards, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the gate of the God of Israel came from the way of the glory of the God of Israel, came from the way of the east. So God, who had left that Jerusalem, now he's telling Ezekiel, one day I'm going to go back the same way I left. I'm going to go back through that eastern gate. Everybody still with me? We're going to get into some real good things here in just a moment. Look at verse 4. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, one other verse of Scripture I'm going to read you here in Ezekiel. Look at this very closely. Chapter 44, verse 1. 44, verse 1. Look at this with me. And this is... Uh, Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the sanctuary, which looked toward the east, and it was shut. Everybody say shut. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be open. Now already the Lord has come through the gate, but now it's going to be shut. And it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord the God of Israel hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. And it is for the prince 
the prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread for the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate and shall go out by the way of the same. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to go to the book of Acts with me. Go to the book of Acts with me. Praise God. Everybody still with me? Look at Acts 1-9. Jesus has ascended. He's ascended from, I mean, he's, he's resurrected, I mean. And he is with his disciples, the twelve. They walk with him out of Jerusalem through the eastern gate. And they walk through the Kidron Valley, which is that valley below it. I'll show you a picture in a moment just of it. And they were up on the Mount of Olives over on the east side. And as they're standing on the Mount of Olives, here's what it says. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, Jesus was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, what saying you gazing up into the heavens? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's going to come back the same way you see him go away. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives. That's where they were. That's where they were standing. So here in the book of Acts, when Jesus went up, he ascended, he went up from the Mount of Olives. He walked through that eastern gate out of Jerusalem, came to that eastern gate, and he had been walking back and forth through that eastern gate when he was going there teaching in the temple. And you can read all about it in Matthew chapters uh, 24, 25, all through there. And then finally he walks for the last time after he has been resurrected on this earth for 40 days, and he walks through that eastern gate, walks through that valley, walks up on that hill, and then he ascends into heaven. And the angel says when he comes back, he's going to come back just like you see him go away. And they're standing right there on that, on that, on that, on that, on that, uh, on that uh. now I want you to go to Zechariah 14, 4. Zechariah 14.4. Praise God. We're in Acts. Now go to Zechariah. This is a different book. This is not Ezekiel, but Zechariah 14.4. Look at this closely. This is all in prophecy now. I'm going to show you something here in a few moments. 14.4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives, this is talking about the Lord coming back. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof. Whoa! Toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain, that's the Mount of Olives, shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come 
and all the saints with thee. Hallelujah. And folks, this is not when he comes back for his church, but when he comes back with his church. We come back with his church. And over in the book of Jude, it says that he will come with ten thousands of his saints. In Revelations chapter 19, it talks of him coming back and his saints with him. Praise the Lord. When the Lord comes back, the next time he'll come back for his people. We rise to meet the Lord in the air. He never comes to the earth. We rise to meet the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then the tribulation comes and all the things that the Lord has said is going to come to pass. And all these calamities. But Armageddon, he comes back again and he comes right back to that very spot. There on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is going to split open. Praise the Lord. And that river water is going to run out from under the throne. And the Lord says here that he's going, to, praise the Lord, to be again. It goes on to describe how that those waters are going to be healing waters. And it's going to bring in a period of peace upon the earth that the world has ever, never, ever seen. Praise God. Now, uh, the Lord says that that gate's going to be shut until then. It's going to be shut. Now, I want to show you some pictures here. Of that eastern gate, I've got some things here that I want to share with you. Praise God. This is a picture here of the eastern gate, and that's the Temple Mount over here behind it. Now, today, that's the Dome of the Rock. It's a Muslim shrine that's there. That's where the temple used to be. The Jews want this spot so bad so they can rebuild their temple. The Muslim says, don't you even think about it. The Muslim world, the whole world, not just the Palestinians, but I'm talking about all the Muslim world. So don't you even think about taking it. I've been there and I have been on the other side, come up and... I've been inside this building here, and uh, and then I was not a Jew, so I could do that. <laughs> but but the Jews, they didn't want the Jews going inside. This was back then. This has been 25 years ago. I, they don't, I don't think they let us in there now. This is on the east side. This is the eastern gate right here. It's shut. It's sealed. And, folks, that gate has been sealed, and the Lord said that gate's going to be sealed and it will not be open until Jesus comes. And this is proof. This is living proof that God's word is right. And he said the gate's going to be sealed. This is a close-up of that gate. If we get up real close, and this is what you see right here. A close-up of the gate. That eastern gate is sealed off. Nobody has been through that gate for 2,000 years. When Jesus went out of that gate and ascended into heaven, and he went up, shortly after that, we don't know when, but this gate was sealed off. It was sealed off, and it's been sealed ever since. And the Bible says over in Ezekiel, he says, that gate shall be sealed. The 44th chapter, the first verse, that gate's going to be shut, and no man will open it. Never be opened. And you can go there and you can look at it. And you can say it's going to be shut. Till Jesus comes back. Praise the Lord. And I'm standing here today to tell you that the word of God never fails. Never, the word of God never fails. Now, 
if you see all of these graves over here, this is the this is the Temple Mount. These these are graves in here, and I've been right here and stood right here and looked over there, and, and I've got a picture someplace of a group of us. There's several of you here in the church that was with our group, and you you we stood right here on this hill and looked across that what's called the Kidron Valley down in here. Anybody here that was in that group that we when we went to Israel? We've been to Israel a couple of times. Okay, yeah, thank you. And uh, you remember that. And we stood right there on that hill and looked across, and you could see the Dome of the Rock over here, and you could see the Eastern Gate seal. Now, these graves over here are Jewish graves. These graves over here are Muslims. And the reason the Muslims put them there is that they know that the Jews do not walk through their cemetery, no cemeteries, they honor cemeteries. Jews will not make a road through a cemetery, they go around the cemetery. They show respect to the dead. And so, so that nobody will ever go through that eastern gate, and the Messiah will never come again, and the word of God will cannot be fulfilled, they have put all of these graves here, and that's why that when you look at this one, you see these graves, these Muslim graves. They're all Muslim graves. They're all, you can see them right up here in the front, right along in the front up in here. And so it's all because they said that scripture is there, and they worry about that scripture being there. Amen. And uh, now, while you're, uh-oh, I did something wrong. What did I do? I hitch, hitch. I touched something. Somebody help me here. What what button did I hit wrong? Is that the right one? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm not. No, I won't. I promise. <laughs> it was a couple of minutes because I've got some things I really want to show you here. I know the lights all went out here. Everybody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Ed. Amen. So here's the picture here that we're looking at. And don't touch that. <laughs> and uh, over here is the... Uh, I'll move it up a little bit where you can see it. Anyhow, that's the Eastern Gate. This is the Kidron Valley. Now, you cannot see it, but over this way where my pen's pointing is a church and it's called the church of all nations it's, it's on the mount of olives over here on this side of the kidron valley and it's more it's directly in front of that eastern gate directly in front of it and this is what that church looks like i'll give you a picture of it here i have a reason for showing you this This is the way it would be looking if you were standing at the eastern gate or if you're in the valley there or up in the air, I guess this is taking a little bit. This is the way that the gate would, the, uh, the, the, the church of, of, of all nations would look. Now, the reason that I'm referring to that, the reason I'm referring to that is because 
There are four statues. You can't see them. I'm going to give you a better picture in a moment. Four statues standing right here on these columns. You take this off gently. And this is the way the front of that would look if you're real up close. And the four statues are right here. Now, this is the emphasis I want to show you. These four statues here. Now, these four statues is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four gospel writers of the Bible. And they are holding in their hand in the statue, they are holding this like a scribe. And they've got their finger pointed at a scripture. Now, I'm going to tell you what scripture that they're pointing to. Everybody ready for that? All right. The scripture that they're pointing to is, let me pull this down a little bit lower. I'll put this back up. Matthew 24, 27. I want you to turn there in your Bible. Matthew 24, 27. Okay, let me push up a little bit. At the very bottom of your page. Everybody see that? Pictures of the Eastern Gate and the Church of All Nations. The four Gospels recording of Jesus' return. This is what they were looking at. They were looking at the Eastern Gate. It's shut. The church has these four statues of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're holding their gospel in their hand, pointing to a scripture, looking at the eastern gate. And the eastern gate's going to be shut, but Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, that gate's going to come open. Zechariah chapter uh, 14, where we read in there, that mount's going to split open. And so I want you to go to Matthew 24, 27 there with us. All right. Matthew 24, 27. Here's what Matthew says. This is his writings. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, let me give you that one that's in Mark. This is in Mark 13, 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is what Luke is pointing to. This is 17.24, Luke 17.24. For as the lightnings that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Now I'm going to go to the one that's found in John. This will be the last one. And... Uh, I have a picture here that would be up a little closer, but I couldn't, I could not get John in on this one, but this is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So I'll show that one so you can see it a little bit closer, so you can see what the statues were looking like. But this is what John would say in his 14.3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come Again, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So here 
here's people that we don't even know who they are. They built a church. They put statues there. And they face that eastern gate. That eastern gate's been sealed off all those times. And they said, one of these days, the Lord's coming back and he's going to go through that gate. Praise the Lord. Now, anytime you go there and you stand there and you look and you see that gate, I mean, you see that eastern gate sealed off. I'm going to move back over there to that. And you stand there and you see that eastern gate there. And you look at it, and it's been sealed for nearly 2,000 years. I don't know the exact date. I don't know if anybody really does. It's, it's close to that. Nearly 2,000 years has been sealed, and it'll stay sealed until Jesus comes back at Armageddon. When he walks through there, he'll come right back down to that same spot that he went away. You see, when he comes from the church, he doesn't touch the earth. He comes in the sky. The Bible says that he'll come in the air. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They shall meet the Lord in the air. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, and so shall we be with the Lord. So shall we be with the Lord. So being wherever he is, so shall we ever be with the Lord. <coughs> and then the tribulation period will come, folks. And over in the book of Revelation, I just read to you a few verses there about the calamities. It talks about one-fourth of the world being destroyed in that sixth chapter. You go to the ninth chapter, it says the third of the world. You got one fourth. If you got one fourth of the world, you got three fourths left. And if you got one third of three fourths, then by the time you get through the ninth chapter, half of the world has died. Famines and nuclear wars and all those things are coming. So whenever these guys start flexing their muscles like, like uh, Putin over in Russia and and in our, in our president says, don't you even think about those things. And, 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 uh, and uh, the Ukraine says, we're going to keep on fighting like we've always fought and keep on pushing the Russians out and everything. And then you've got all these other conditions going on in the world. And you've got other things that are smoldering here and there. Iran's trying to get the bomb. They're trying to put it together. They don't know if they've got it or not, but they're getting close to having one themselves. And all those kind of things. <coughs> Excuse me. All you've got to have is a rogue nation or just a wacko leader or somebody that goes wacko and does some crazy something. I'm just trying to tell you, folks, praise the Lord, don't fall in love with this old world. Jesus is coming back and he's got a people that's looking for his soon coming. And try to help everybody you can to find the Lord. Bring everybody you can to church. Say, come on, I want you to go with me to the house of God. Praise the Lord. Introduce them to Jesus and let them feel the presence of God. Let them repent of their sins and be baptized in his name. Encourage them to be baptized and say, now you need the baptism of his spirit. Let God's spirit fill you full and let you and have joy and peace of running over. Praise the Lord. In one of these days, all this will happen. You say, Brother Myers, oh, that's, that's, just, that's just the book. That's just the No, no, no. That's real. This is real right here. That's real. That's just as real as you as you can. And it's all from the word of God. And if God is real with one part of his word where Ezekiel he says it's going to be shut. That gate shall be shut and shall not be open until the Messiah, the prince, comes to it. 
And it was, and it was shut after he had walked through it the last time and then was sent into heaven. Jesus, I'm talking about. He is the prince. Praise the Lord. And he ascended into heaven. Folks, that day, that gate is shut and it is a reminder to me that God's word stands true. God's word is sure. God's word is past finding out. Believe it. Stand upon it. Trust it. There's all kinds of voices out here. And, oh, you still believe the Bible. Oh, you still this. Oh, you still that. And all that kind of stuff. Listen, too much stuff's happening in the world not to hold fast to this word. And when you begin to see these things come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Aren't you glad we have the hope in the Lord? Aren't you glad you know the Lord? Aren't you glad one day the Lord reached down and touched your heart and dealt with you and pulled at your heartstring and brought you to an altar of repentance and, and just pulled upon your heartstring to be saved? I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what kind of situation you were in or what situation you're in now. The Lord can save you. He can bring you out of those things. He can put these things that are real in your heart, in your life, and your soul, and give you a hope like nothing else. Living proof, living proof, right here, there it is. Living proof that God's word is true, and God will not go back on his word ever, ever, ever. Let's stand together, and let's just give God the praise, and let's thank him right now. Jesus, you are so good, you are so good, you are so good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this, the the clarity of your word. Thank you for the, the assurance of your word. Thank you for the infallibility of your word. Oh God, every promise, every word is infallible, God. And your word is so true. Thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for the love you have for your people, for the church, and the love, oh God, that you put in our hearts for your things, your spirit, your word. And we ask you, Jesus, to go with us at this time. And meet back with us again at the appointed time. Be with us, God, through every day, every, every night. Lord, keep your hand upon your people. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.